Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com. You know I'm right. Episode 14 right here in the WG Sports Radio Network. And the NHL season is on hold, but that doesn't mean we can't talk some hockey. Nick Durst here, and today I'm joined by two very special guests. Guest, what's your names and where are you calling from? Dan Matarisi calling from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Justin Matarisi sitting here with my cousin, also in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. All right, so Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. What is the, the team, the hockey team down there that the, the locals like? Is it there's the Flyers, is it the Penguins, or does nobody really care about hockey? The Hershey Bears, Nick. Hershey the, Bears. Uh, cap- Capitals AHL affiliate is about 15 minutes away from where we are. So I didn't think we'd be starting off with some AHL here, but Dan, what are your <laughs> thoughts on the fact that AHL season canceled and then now they're saying if there's no fans next year, the league might fold. What do you think the AHL could do as a minor league system without the AHL? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I, I think from an economic standpoint, the AHL, as I understand it, in most cities, they, they lose quite a bit of money, um, but their value is on providing prospects and development for the NHL teams. So I think there's still going to be something needs to be done to continue to provide the farm system, if you will, or developmental opportunities for young NHL players. I mean, it is few and far between where you have someone who's drafted, who's ready to play in the NHL in their first year. It's typically only really, really elite talents that stay there. So the need, whether it's the AHL in its current form or not, the need is absolutely going to continue to be there, in my opinion, for some developmental type league for NHL teams to have. Certainly. And that's something that we have to keep an eye on moving forward with the, the current economic crisis. And baseball is going to have the same issue just for this season, at least, because they already said there's going to be no minor league teams. And that's something to keep an eye on. But jumping more into to hockey here and the professional level at MSJ, Justin, you know, People, my listeners might not know this, but you are a legend in the New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia area because you yourself played in net at MSG. You were a goalie Twice. at MSG, the world famous, most famous arena. So why don't you walk my listeners through here your experience on the ice and the locker room? You know, you 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 learned everything that Richter taught you, and then Lundqvist learned from you. Ah. So why don't you let everybody know about that? Oh, absolutely! Big rebounds. That's big, big rebounds. That's that's what Mikey Richter taught me in the '90s. Uh, but no, you, it it was it was awesome. I had the privilege privilege of playing uh, at MSG twice. Once was as a member of the Brick Hockey Club. Uh, so I, I I grew up uh, with with Nick in Staten Island, good old Staten Island, New York, on the uh, the South Shore of Staten Island. Played for the Sharks. This was even before the the Staten Island Rangers were really a thing uh, in the 90s. Uh, in the bubble. Gosh, does the bubble even still exist, Nick? The Clove Lake, Nick? right? The Clove, yeah, Lake the, bubble. the Clove Lake bubble. The bubble is now an outdoor uh, rink, which is only used in the, in the winter because obviously it melts in the, in the summer. Wow. Never played at the Staten Island Pavilion in the South Shore? You know, by, by the time I got out of hockey, um, I mean, I had a couple of practices there, but I never played for... Uh, the Rangers. Actually, now that I think about it, I in middle school I played PSAL club hockey for Wagner High School. Wow! So when you're, no you're in IS seventy five middle school playing hockey yes. for 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 high school, that, I mean that just shows yes. everybody your skill level right there. I that mean, just shows everybody how few people played hockey in Staten Island. <laughs> oh, easy there, shots fired. I mean, I mean, you know, you know, Dan, Dan was a veteran of uh, the Abe Stark rink. Wow, beautiful Back Coney, in Island. Coney Island. Yeah, no, I the, the silent high schools, they actually play their home games in Brooklyn, which makes no sense, but that's just the way it goes here in Silent Island. Excellence. 
So, I mean, Dan, you've obviously seen seen Justin's uh, goal mining skills, and I know he had like an epic performance at MSG. Why don't you let everybody yeah. know about that? Yeah, uh, Justin's uh, the two pad slide, um, the lateral two pad slide was a specialty of his. Same eyebrow, dar. Um, especially at times when the two pad slide wasn't needed, <laughs> um, but but performed with eloquence. Uh, and I think Justin, much much like the king, Justin played with a lot of emotion, um, a lot of excitement. We see Hank getting angry when he lets up goals. Um, I think maybe Hank might have learned a little bit of that from Justin. Uh, when Justin was in net at MSG uh, in his young years. But, man, the uh, the young man played with a lot of excitement, passion, um, and commitment to the two-pad slide. And uh, I know, you know, a lot of uh, street hockey going out, on out there in Mechanicsburg. Justin, when's the last time you got between the pipes? Oh, probably a few uh, few weeks ago, uh, though we were outside shooting the, the puck around uh, a couple of days ago. I actually just purchased a pair of uh, roller skates during uh, during the the pandemic uh, on Facebook Marketplace here. So I plan to go outside actually this week and and play with the boys and maybe I'll strap on the pads again. And Dan, when I grew up with Justin, this guy showed no mercy. So I'm assuming he does the same to your children. He does not let any easy goals in and gets in their face when he makes a big save. Uh, well, he tries not to let easy goals in, but frequently he does. Um, at this point. It's tough to keep up the level of excellence he had when he was when he was but a young man. But no, Justin is Nick. You're right. Justin is all in um, the entire time. He is he's not going to be letting up any goals. But I have two ferocious boys. One's almost eleven. The other one's eight, and they really enjoy scoring on their uncle Justin at every opportunity. I just believe in a physical approach. <laughs> you ever drop the gloves to recreational activities? <laughs> so I know when I play basketball as well. Sometimes. You know, sometimes I'm criticized for bringing that physical approach, that that hockey mentality to uh, the basketball court. The, 19, the 1970s <laughs> hockey mentality. It right. definitely works in the volleyball uh, court. That <laughs> the that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Softball. Moving, moving on here, though. I mean, we just mentioned this guy like five times. Henry Clunquist. I don't know what the Rangers think they're doing with this guy. They're totally John Van Breesburking him. Uh, Justin's so passionate about this, decides to come back on Twitter after about three years to tweet some NHL insiders. So, Justin, why, yep. don't, you, why don't you give some insight on your thoughts as to what's going on with Lundqvist before the, the season was put on hold here and what the conspiracy theories are? Nick, it's it's devastating. I mean, it's it's devastating – Love, love Henrik Lundqvist. Obviously, Ranger icon, uh, like really, you know, like no other. His number will be raised to the rafters one day at MSG. And like everything the Rangers have done in the last few years, it, it seemed like there was a well thought out succession plan. And Hank would, would play this season. Um, we'd give Igor some experience in the AHL. Then Igor would come up. We'd slowly start exposing Igor to uh, to the NHL. And then from there, in, in 2020, 2021, we transitioned to either a 50-50 or a 60-40 Igor-Hank. Uh, and then eventually, um, who knows, maybe Hank, Dan and I talked about this, maybe Hank would have signed the contract in 21-22 just to back up if the Rangers were contending for a championship, or maybe at that point uh, he would retire. Uh, but for... You know, I mean, we give give credit where credit is due. Gorgiev came up and, and played really, really well for the Rangers. Um, but it just seems like Quinn really struggled to, I, I would say, give Hank enough starts so that he could maintain his sharpness uh, during this time. Because once Gorgiev started playing well, then they started sitting Hank. And you don't just sit a 38-year-old goaltender and expect them to continue performing at the same level they're used to performing at. So over time, Hank became rustier and rustier. Gorgia was playing well. And then they decided to call up Igor. And, and once Igor was called up, it, it really became a Igor-Gorgiev back-and-forth show with Hank becoming the, the third goaltender. And, you know, we, we, can, we can sit here and certainly debate or... You know, it's not that much of a debate. A Gorgiev certainly played better um, for most of the season. 
Um, but you know, it's 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 marginally better, and it's it, it's in, it's important to remember the legend that that Hank is and what he means to the franchise franchise, and and ultimately, I think they just should have given Hank a little more grace, given his um experience with the rangers and what he means to this franchise and the fact he he decided to go through this rebuild with us and he made very real sacrifices for us so i know dan has a lot to say as well on, on, on the top let's hear it dan yeah i mean i echo a lot of what justin said i i will taking the emotion out of it look the a franchise has a responsibility to um to obviously to to win that's their goal that's what they're here for i think the rangers have i mean let's be honest guys we have never experienced sustained periods of success like we experienced in you know this i guess what 2000 maybe 13 2012 ranger team up on through i mean we were a contender year in year out um great leadership uh, all around it, it was it was a great time to be a ranger fan and i i do believe that the franchise in, that, in this period, at least as well, management had made a lot of very, very good decisions. Of course, we could mix in there a couple that were question marks um, and didn't pan out. And and I, I think they've, as Justin alluded to, they've been um, remarkably transparent throughout this process from when the letter went out a few years back in February about what they intended to do. And as someone who watches every game uh, and is – I would consider myself a pretty dedicated fan. I don't know if that if that's fair to say, but I Un- understatement. Uh, I I I have I have relatively. I'm so impressed with how they've handled themselves throughout this, the moves they've made, and decisions they've made. The situation with Henrik Lundqvist seems to be different from that. Um, it seems that that um, it as Justin alluded to, it was not necessarily logical. Um, in a lot of ways, it was not part of the plan, so to speak. It seems like things got a little bit sideways. Um, you mentioned conspiracy theories, um, Nick, earlier. I, the one thing I can tell you is I, I believe there's there might have there might be something else or more going on behind the scenes than we know of. Um, this what I'm going to say next is purely from my observations as a fan. I don't believe that Henrik Lundqvist, he might not be the easiest guy to be on the team with when the team is not playing well and when he's not playing well. And I, I do believe because he's so competitive um, and he was used to so much success that during the last year or so, and especially during the beginning of this season when Hank was struggling and the Rangers were um, left a lot to be desired with defensive zone structure and play. I don't think Hank was probably the easiest guy to be around in the locker room. And I think because of that, there are, there, you did see this team play better. Our, I mean, it, to me, it's pretty clear they played better in front of both Gorgiev and Shosturkin at times, and that happens. You have a veteran guy who's who's not used to being, especially it's been a while since he's been on a team that is inept defensively or has a bunch of young guys who are struggling with the new system. And I do think this was not, you know, Justin alluded to statistically speaking. COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership-developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com money for college. You're right. Gorgiev's numbers were not much, much better than Hank's um, overall. But, you know, Hank really did struggle to find his footing and maintain consistency at the beginning of the year. I mean, the first quarter of the season for sure. And he also, as you can tell from just his the mental side of things, and he even alluded last offseason to how hard last year was for him, you know, going through a rebuild um, and such, is that I think there might be a little bit more to this. I I think, you know, as a coach, Quinn has a responsibility to put the, the best team on the ice that he believes um, can win games. And I think part of the equation is probably that this team felt and does feel less pressure and less on edge at times when Hank's not on the ice. Um, and that pains me to say because I love the guy. Yeah. And I, I would argue he is the greatest Ranger of all time, um, you know, from my from my perspective. And then beyond that, the Shesterkin piece, 
Listen, I, I know this is just speculation, but I, I've heard that there was a chance if he didn't get called up when he did that he could have opted to go back to the KHL. Um, and I don't know the specific rules of that. A lot of people smarter than me may be able to fill in the blanks on that. But I think the Rangers kind of had a forced hand to bring Shesterkin up. And I do believe that this – it was never the plan to have three goalies in the NHL at this point. I think it kind of happened as a combination of a lot of different things. And then as Quinn has admitted to recently in some inter- interviews you know, while they've been on break, he's admitted like I don't think I've handled the situation perfectly. You know, I, 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 I do some things differently. Um, and I, I think that's where we're at. And I still am holding out hope that the Rangers move Gorgiev um, in the offseason and that we get Shesterkin as the starter with Hank getting you know 20 to 25 games next year and being part of the continued rebuild that the is going through. So the conspiracy theory is basically that Gordon, who I think has done a terrible job with this team, luckily he's not the man in charge anymore with J.D. back. I think he last year went to Henrik and said, hey, I, I want to trade you. And Henrik said, no way, I'm staying here. So then Gordon just got in Quinn's head and said, just bench this guy. Let him be miserable so he can say, all right, I'll accept the trade. Because he didn't, he didn't want him anymore. wants to clear that money off the cap. And I think Justin's point originally, which was that, yeah, Igor goes down. I don't really see why you're not playing Henrik. You played him, I think he got one start. He got lit up because he, he hadn't played in weeks. And, you know, the team was, was really coming on strong here, and if they wanted to get into the playoffs, Justin, I think I would have been more comfortable going with Henrik, having go you know three, four starts in a row and just see what happens. But obviously, Quinn uh, didn't think that. So, how do, you, how do you feel about Quinn's coaching style, and do you st- do you think this is still the guy for the job here, or is he really like wearing on his players? Obviously, he comes from college, so. He's more used to the younger guys, and I think that's been the issue with someone like Henrik Lundqvist, where he's not usually used to dealing with a superstar veteran. He's used to having it his way, because in college, he's the boss. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'll kind of go back to what you mentioned, the, a little bit of the conspiracy theory and the, the things about Jeff Gorton. I think, Nick, you and I disagree. I think Gorton was actually probably one of the main reasons why this team had the run they did, even when Glenn Sather was still GM um, and president. I, I actually believe Gorton was, whether he was assistant GM or other points, I mean, he's been a pro scout with the Rangers. He's been with their organization quite a bit of time. I think he's been a huge part of why the team had success. And yes, like we can nitpick a couple moves here and there that weren't great. But I think all in all, he has done a fine job um, with this team. I I don't know if I I have never heard from credible sources anything related to whether he really wanted Hank gone and this was something they were going to do to ruin him. That doesn't seem consistent with anything Gorton or the Rangers have done. And quite frankly, I don't think Glenn Sather or JD would have let that happen on, as either of them on their watch uh, where they were involved. Um, but otherwise, at the end of the day, we talk about um, – David Quinn, yes, it is different, 100%. You are dead on. It is very different um, coaching professionals versus coaching uh, veterans. I I don't know that this has um, – I, I don't know how much impact that has on it. There's a bunch of other veterans on the team that have responded very well to David Quinn's coaching style and a bunch of other guys that have really, really enjoyed playing for him. Mika. Mika, Chris Kreider. Um, you know, other guys that have been around the league for for a long time. So I, I don't really there's not really any other supporting evidence of players really having an issue with Quinn's style. But to your point, I mean, he's admitted himself. It's different coaching in the NHL at professionals than it is when you are a lot more of a paternal figure um, as, you know, as a college coach. Uh, than you are for certain as as an NHL coach. It's it's and you, Nick, you said it well. You run the complete show when you're a college coach. Very very different from his perspective as a head coach. And you know, at this point, I want to welcome my co-host, 18 minutes into the show. It's been great not having to hear him, but Joe, welcome in. Uh, Joe, we're just talking about Quinn and your. I know your very strong views on him. Do you think he's the guy for the job still? Through the first year or so, and uh, what's up, guys? How are you? Uh, hey, Joe. How's it going, Joe? Thanks for having yeah, us. You got it. So uh, through the first year or so, I was kind of having my doubts only because of the way Quinn was handling certain situations on the team. Uh, 
the young players on the team, I felt like, were fighting through inconsistencies. And uh, there were a bunch of examples of this, uh, maybe more prominently with a guy like uh, Pavel Buchnevich. But for the last couple of weeks, right before we uh, we had that unfortunate shutdown of the season due to the coronavirus stuff, it felt like the Rangers were really, really starting to get into another gear. And it kind of felt like a lot of the, the foundational work that Quinn was doing over the last couple uh, year or so uh, was actually finally starting to work. So uh, temporarily, I have flipped my opinion on him. Uh, I still don't know if he's necessarily the right head coach for the future of this team. But uh, the improvements, and there were a lot of improvements, and this team got better as the season went along this year. Uh, based on what I saw, the the body of work that he started the season with up all the way up until this point, and the the play you've seen from not only Panarin and, and Zabinijad, but a lot of other the secondary guys as well, and and we've seen really really great play from uh, the young players this season, like Adam Fox, and uh, yeah. So at the beginning, I wasn't entirely sold. I'm still not sold on it, but my opinion has changed. I've eased up, and. Uh, I definitely think he's doing a good job. Yeah, and Justin, I mean, I, I just, I still miss John Tortorella. I got the, the honor to sit in one of his press conferences at MSG, and it was the, I, it was so hard not to laugh because this guy is just passionate, and it's a real shame. I mean, you were talking recently about his his great teams and how they just didn't get the job done, but Tortorella, I think, she got a lot of credit for for turning some things around here with the Rangers organization. Oh yeah, I. I agree with that 100%. Torts, I mean, if you look at the history of the Rangers in the last 10 to 15 years, I mean, it was really when when Torts came to the organization again, he he really changed the culture. I mean, he made us a, a very hardworking um, and, and scrappy team. Uh, he set the foundation in place uh, for all those runs that followed. Um, if I remember correctly, the team that made it to the finals and lost to the Kings, I believe that was AV's first year yes. coaching the team. Um, and I think you have, even though AV was the coach, you, you certainly had the Tortorella influence as he provided a lot of the, the structure uh, the year before that we were then able to uh, bid from uh, when AV came on board. Uh, but, but in terms of, of Quinn, it, it seemed like Quinn was the right type of coach for the team that we had. Um, our, our time with AV seemed to have run its course. And yeah, we, we were looking for someone who had a lot of the strengths that Torts brought to the table. Someone who could, you know, work with young players and hold players really accountable. I mean, AV's style was more of a kind of laissez-faire, like trust trust the players to take care of themselves, whereas Torts held players more accountable. So I think Quinn is coming back in, and I think he is creating the the structure and culture of accountability again uh, that we need. I mean, only time will tell if, if he is the right coach. Only time will tell that when these guys get older, you know, will we need to bring in a essentially a new AV, or can Quinn be that guy that takes us to the finals and to a championship. It, we're only in year two. I mean, it's still it's still too premature. But you know, I think I'm we're very very impressed where this team um, ended the season uh, before the break. I mean, and I don't think we could say enough good things about where this team ended up. And don't forget that we lost Krides for a while. And I mean, Mika was out for what 15 games earlier in the season. Krides missed um, 10 or so games at the at the end of the season. He's been balancing the goalie, you know, the, the goalie juggling act. So yeah, it's very, very impressive that this team is where uh, it is today, uh, given the adversity they've dealt with this year. Joe, what are, what are the Rangers waiting for? Why isn't Chris Kreider named captain yet? What's going on? Well, I think the the next captain will be Zibanejad. Uh Although Kreider signed the the contract, so it's it's very likely, but. I think for the the face of the franchise that they're looking for, um, they might they might lean in that direction just just a little bit more. But those those two guys are unquestionably the two of the the better players on the team and the two 
likely de facto leaders once we see the Rangers finally move on from Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, it was likely going to be either this offseason or his contract runs out uh, after another year from now. So, yeah, yeah. to me, I think they're going to give it to Zavinijad. I Obviously, I, I would love to see Kreider get it. Um, Kreider, Kreider, I think, is more of like the sentimental choice only because of the uh, the amount of love that and admiration the he's built with the fan base over the course of the last eight years. But uh, something still tells me it'll be Mika. But we'll see. You know, they're, they're both great choices. Dan, any, any thoughts on the captaincy for the Rangers? I think the, the main thing they got to do here is take the A off Stahl. Get rid of him. I mean, he's been stalling this team for years now. They added his brother. That was another disaster. Got to get rid of Stahl. He's horrendous. But what do you think on – I guess what do you think on that? But maybe I haven't gone from Stahl yet. And who do you think should be the captain? Um, I disagree with you on Mark Stahl, um, much like any other defenseman. Um, as they get older, you, you notice a loss in foot speed, which certainly was the case. Mark battled a lot of injuries. Yes, looking now, his contract is more than we'd want it to be. Um, but you can't even statistically make the argument that Mark Stahl is what's been holding this team back. He, he is what he is. Nick. He's, been, he's, he's a stay-at-home defenseman with long reach. Um, great stick positioning, always is good on gaps, but he's not a top pair D. And over the last couple of years, because we haven't truly had top pair D guys um, since that run to the cup uh, in you know 2014-15, when all of our guys were firing on all cil- cylinders, we've been putting Mark in a position asking him to do more than he should be doing. And, you know, in, in some ways, he's been exposed. But anyway, to say, I don't. Angie's list is now Angie, and getting your to-do list done just got easier. Between back to school and with the holidays around the corner, it can feel like there's no time to tackle home projects. Whether you need help with emergency repairs or major upgrades, Angie matches you with top local pros who can get the job done right. Browse reviews, see upfront pricing, and instantly book hundreds of projects. Save time for what matters most. Book your next project at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Every day, thousands of hackers try to steal your crypto. But Arculus uses air-gapped technology by forming a protective barrier that insulates you from hackers and secures your crypto. Order yours at GetArculus.com. I have no problems with Mark Stahl. I think he's been a reliable New York Ranger. Obviously, I wish his contract was a little bit friendlier at this point um, in his career, but it's not. On the captaincy issue, um, my pick would be would be Chris. Joe, I like what you said. I think either Chris or Mika are good choices. You can't go wrong with either. Um, but the thing on Kreider is you hear a lot more about Kreider's investment in younger players in the offseason. Um, guys going working out with him, guys staying at his place. Uh, you just him driving into the rink with certain players. It just seems like that part uh, is pretty natural to Kreider. He really does invest in that next gen, um, you know, quite, quite, uh, I think, proficiently. Um, and I, I think, too, one of the things that's really, at least for me, been really obvious or evident is the Rangers had a core group of leaders. Um, and I, I'd probably say we under underestimated or underrated Brad Richards' leadership um, qualities when he was with the Rangers during that run. Between Brad Richards and and Marty St. Louis and Step, we had some really, really strong leaders in the room. And when those guys started to leave the team, um, I love Mac, but I don't I don't think Mac was the guy. I don't think McDonough was that, you know, that first leader. And then, of course, you know, Mac ends up being moved and we're in the position we're in now. I I think if you look back at the success of some of those leaders, the Richard St. Louis step on type, Kreitz to me is more like that. He's probably the right choice. But if it ends up going to Mika, Joe, as you said, you can't go wrong with that either. The two, it's it's exciting to know that the two of the, those two guys specifically are going to be part of this rebuild for the, the next many years. Yeah, just to uh, counterpoint your your opinion on Stahl, uh, I think a lot of the Rangers fan base at this point simply has the fatigue and. At least with a guy like Dan Girardi, we saw the Rangers take a proactive step a couple years ago, and they said, okay, 
we need to do something. We can't have both these guys around here. So it was Dan Girardi, the guy they bought out. And they figured that in order to ease the salary cap situation to the best of their abilities, it would be that they would keep Mark Saul around and, and continue to, to play him. And um, and we're kind of seeing what, what's happening with Lundqvist, right? So we had Shesterkin and Ned. He's playing very well. They've had Georgiev play very well. It has allowed them to to see the light at the end of the tunnel in regard to Lundqvist. Maybe they trade him. Maybe they do buy him out. Uh, I think we've reached that point with Mark Stahl because I think the Rangers, even though they traded Brady Shea, who was a left-handed defender at the deadline, uh, we're seeing a plethora of potential young talent. Uh, guys who could really, really be a part of the, the core solution for the Rangers on the left side within the next year or two. Uh, we've seen that with some of the guys they brought up, and now the fact that Keandre Miller, who was the Rangers' first round or the second first round draft pick back in 2018, he is now part of uh, the organization. So he was at Wisconsin the last two years. He's going to be a part of the Rangers. He it was going to be interesting to see what would happen in camp, and now we're, we, we don't know when camp is going to be just because of all the situations. And um, uh, Do they continue the season with the, the, the tight schedule in the few cities? Do they have the postseason? How long is the offseason? Uh, does the season start in November? Does it start in December? Does it start next year? Uh, we don't know that, but it, it seems to me that the, the fatigue had really set in the last two seasons with Stahl. And, I mean, I, I totally understand where people are coming from, uh, especially like Nick. Because Nick goes back and he looks at all those Rangers shortcomings and he says, "All right, you know, we brought, we had, we kept Stall off for leadership, and he hasn't really been great on the ice. So why is he even out there to begin with?" I, I you know, I get, I get both sides of the argument, but uh, I, I think we've, we're reaching that the, the point of where the light is at the end of the tunnel with Stall. I feel like there there are options where we could either buy him out to get his money off the cap. Uh, maybe we can package together a pick or two or a prospect or a picker or something just to add as a sweetener to get uh, most of his contract off the books. And uh, who knows? Maybe he goes on long-term injured reserve. That saves his, his cap hit. Maybe he retires. The injuries have definitely built their, their – it's definitely been a toll on him. Speaking of but, long-term yeah. injured reserve, Dan, I think uh, I speak for many Rangers fans when I say we never got to see what could have been of Michael Sauer. I mean, this defenseman was phenomenal. The guy's only 32 still. Guy's career ends because he got a concussion on a hit from Dion Phaneuf. But I think, you know, he would have been one of the all-time Rangers in during that run. But we just never got to we never got to see what would be from him. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dion Phaneuf is typically always involved in negative stories, um, and rightfully so. <laughs> I forgot, Nick, that that was the dude who, uh, who hit Sauer. Um, yeah, Michael Sauer was a great young prospect. Justin and I often joke around with if we haven't seen a player for a while, we, we will say he's he's gone. Sour. He's gone, yeah. Michael Sauer. Yeah, you know that's that's the game. I guess you know it's that's part of it. You, you get these young prospects. You get a lot of guys uh, making their way up, and unfortunately, some things like that happen, and you just don't know where. And and I think that's the hardest thing, even when when you are rebuilding, is you can look at a lot of these these veteran guys like Stahl and others, and you can say, hey, let's move them because we got Keandre Miller coming up. We got other guys coming up. But there's a breaking point to where if you don't have enough, and that's what the Rangers experienced, I think, even at the beginning of this season, that you reach a point where you don't have enough um, strong veteran leadership. And just, honestly, NHL experience in the room, whether they're vocal leaders or not, NHL game experience, when you don't have enough of it in the room, your young guys are not going to develop. You're going to actually stall their development um, if if you try to put them out there without enough structure, without enough NHL professionals to keep them going. So that's a tough balance, I think, right now for the Rangers. I honestly think it's it's you know, you can't just throw all your prospects out there and think that in a year they're going to figure this out. Uh, it just it doesn't happen that way in the league. So, so Justin, again, a, tough, a tough balance. So, Justin, you know, how excited are you for Miller? And would you if if they come back right now and they and, the, and there's there's rest of a season would you just have this guy pull a Chris Kreider and come up and play right in the playoffs? I think you're you know you really don't have much to lose, but to Dan's point, you know he might not flourish because he's being thrown into a tough situation. And B, you know 
let's talk about the playoffs a little here, where we're talking about all these crazy things. Maybe there's going to be a 2014 playoff, which I think is absolutely crazy. Uh, or maybe you have a, a 7, 10, 8, 9 play-in game, which I think is fine because that, you know, especially the East, everybody's separated by one point with the Rangers currently looking, looking out, looking from the outside in. I think that would work. But what would you do here with Miller? And then what do you think about these proposed NFL, uh, NHL playoff structures? So I would be very hesitant uh, at this point in time to call up a prospect who I believe he has not played a single game in the AHL yet, right? I think he played for the badges last year of uh, of Wisconsin. I don't, I don't think I I would want to see more experience. uh, Yeah. But look, look at the Rangers best player in the playoffs years ago. It was Chris Kreider who played zero games in the AHL as well. Right. I, 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 yeah, I think I think it is different when we talk about a defenseman versus 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 a forward. Um, but I, I'd also say that I mean Kreider was was exceptional um, at BC. I, I don't I don't know if if Keandre honestly is as much of a standout prospect as Chris was um, in his senior year at BC. So I, I I just don't know. But in terms of the the, the playoff format. I would be in favor of us finishing the regular season and then having some type of abbreviated postseason. I think it's really, really tough to just have. Where do you draw the line? I mean, a 24-game postseason is excluding only seven or how many teams are there in the NHL? Four in each conference. Yeah, I would would say let's, let's finish out the remainder of the schedule, and I'd rather... I'd rather cut the first round to five games to the best of five and maybe the second round to the best of five if, if we need to than have a playoff format that allows like 80% of the league to take part. Because that I just think is not really efficient and kind of odd. So Certainly. I mean, I, the, only, the only other thing that would be fair, I think, is if you just say, all right, you get the top four seeds from each conference, and that's it. Eight person playoff because they earned it there ahead of the points, but that will be seen. Uh, but let's let's talk about some historic Ranger stuff here, and I think this is where you know the, the whole thing went bad. Where the Rangers uh, they get rid of Haglin. That, that was a horrendous trade. Prust is gone. Boyle's gone. Delzato's gone. Duclair is gone. Strawman's gone. Uh, you know, of course, later on they get rid of McDonough, but the biggest mishap of all these, Joe, and Dan hit it before, is getting rid of the guy who should be the captain right now, and that is Derek Stepan. So many times in the playoffs, this guy bailed the Rangers out, keep calm and step on, and they just get rid of him, and, you know, so far, it's it's not looking like a good trade. Yeah, Step, step going was a real tough one, and I think... Again, I, I'm not faulting anyone specifically, or even I'm not mad at Mac either. But I think we we made the wrong call believing that McDonough had the wiring to be the captain um, of the Rangers. I I think the dude gave 120. percent You, I I was he was such an easy guy to cheer for. McDonough, such a lovable New York Ranger, but ultimately, whatever it is, demeanor, others, Mac seems better off being you know an assistant captain. Uh, than anything else. And I think the dude, to your point, that should have had the C, should have been Step on. And Step, I think, learned a lot from Marty St. Louis and Brad Richards and his playoff play. Um, You know, it's odd when a guy like Step, maybe he's similar to Richards in this way, that he's never going to overwhelm you or impress you what he can physically do. I'm not taking away from the guy. I mean, he's obviously a legit NHL player. But there's just a consistency to Derek Step on making the right play over and over again. You're going to trust him in all three zones. You're going to have him on the ice when you need a goal. You're going to have him on the ice when you need to defend and keep a lead. And that that was a tough one to see him go. We certainly don't know what his his you know um, reps were asking for from a contract perspective, and whether the Rangers. Um, why again, his no move clause, I guess was going in the mm-hmm. next season. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, who knows what it was going to look like to try to keep him long term. And if the Rangers felt like his stock was going down, you can make the argument point wise that step was paid to be a number one center 
but never really got to number one center numbers, um, you know, kind of in what his contract was. But yeah, that's a dude I miss a lot. I, I absolutely love Stepan. I think he was, he was probably a dude that we, we didn't realize how much his leadership was um, essential to this team. I remember one moment I talked earlier about how Hank sometimes seems like he could be kind of rough on his teammates. I remember one game where guys let up a bad play coming into the zone and Hank made a save on like a two-on-one or something. And Hank, you could see, is screaming at his teammates, you know, after he made the save. And you can see Step skate over to him and basically tell him to calm down. And like emphatically, using a lot more direct language than I'm using now, he told Hank like, hey, bud, like lay off these guys. And I don't know if there was another guy in the Rangers who could have gotten away with that uh, than Step. Yeah. Joe, anything to add on, you know, basically the return on what they got for Stepan with the draft pick? To be just to just to be clear, that draft pick was Tony D'Angelo. Or no, I'm sorry, the draft pick was Leas Anderson, but yes. then they, they got Tony D'Angelo in that trade. Yeah. Right. Which is right. important to to note. It reminds me of the Mets deal when they traded R.A. Dickey for no, uh, good old guy. Travis Darno, who is the you know, that was the the prime guy we want. Hey, Darno is fantastic name, last year. Uh, Led the race to the playoffs, so can't knock, can't knock Darno. But all right, so Justin, back in December, you came to me yeah. and you said Panarin is the best skill player to ever wear the blue, the blue shirt. Do you still stick by that that statement? Because I think that's a slap in the face to a guy like Yarmir Yager who revitalized the organization. Uh, I mean, Yaramir Yager is is an all-time great, is is absolutely an all-time great. And he had an all-time great season uh, with the Rangers in, in 2005. I mean, I think it's 2005, right? Yeah. We, we, we had we had Yags for like one, I think one year he produced um, extraordinary numbers. I, it's not fair to compare Panarin to to Yager as, as Yager is, you know, one of the greatest players of all time. Played in the NHL for, you know, I think he put up elite numbers for probably 15 years. Um, I, I don't, I don't remember the the framing the comment like that, Nick. Um, I remember saying that if we had a player like Panarin during those early 2010 on those Tortorella teams or AV teams or on AV teams, Rangers would have won a cup. Oh, like Marion Mar- Mar- Gabrick. That is a type – I mean, Pan, Panarin's on a different level than Marion Gabrick. I mean, they're not even – it's, you know, it's I, totally – I've got to ask you guys, why does Rick Nash not get the love he deserves? I mean, I, I'm gonna, I like him, so I'm guessing Dan's going to counterpoint and say he wasn't good or something like he's been through, throughout this whole thing. But very underrated Ranger, um, two-way forward, and I think he contributed a lot to success. But unfortunately, you know, they didn't get the job done in, in some of those playoff series and – he kind of uh, shouldered the blame on that because, rightfully so, he was the highly touted acquisition. Nick, I'm, I'm happy to report that you were wrong. I also love Rick Nash. Thank <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 I think you hit the nail on the head. Rick Nash was awesome, amazing two-way hockey player. Um, but the reality is Rick Nash was not – he was like right on that bubble of being able uh, to move into maybe – I know it's like an overused term, that elite scorer um, piece – it, the difference is when you look at a guy like Panarin, he Panarin's creativity, he's just magnetic on the ice. He does things that you just don't see other people do. Um, and Rick Nash was a power forward. It, it's similar to Kreider, actually, more like is a, probably a better comparison than a Panarin-type guy in the way they play. They're power wingers. I mean, Nash was an enormous human being on skates who was so powerful and gifted, just a real different player um, than Panarin is. I mean, Panarin is tiny. Um, relatively speaking, and just finds ways to create space out of nothing with with his skill. But uh, going back to your question, I, I think Rick Nash was an amazing Ranger. Never really got the job done in crunch time in the playoffs. He had some rough playoff numbers, which always hurts kind of people's opinion of him. Uh, but you can't argue with the effort and the reliability at all. Yeah, and 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 just to just to jump in here, Nick, I would, I wish Rick Nash was still on this team. I wish we could afford a team with Rick Nash and our Tammy Panarin. But when you talk about what we were missing in some of those cup teams, it was that elite 
goal scorer, that difference maker. I, just I just don't understand, about- Justin. I still don't understand why they thought it was necessary to trade Gabrick and not let, leave him with Nash. But what are your thoughts on that? Uh, was it Gabrick for Nash? I think they played on the same because they played on the same team briefly. I believe, yeah, right yeah, for half a season, it, and they shipped Gabrick out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Gab- Gabby was a one a one dimensional player, great goal scorer when he was given the puck in the right position. But Ga- I mean, Gabby and a lot of and who did we get for Gabby? Was Broussard part of the Gabby? Oh, yeah, maybe it was Broussard. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, listen, Gabby again, a good a good goal scorer, like awesome goal scorer. But look at the way he played after he left the Rangers. I mean, I and you know that's honestly an argument against Stepan too. I mean, Step has not he has deteriorated again going to Arizona. As part of it, but you know, Gab- Gabby's not. Gabby's like more is sniper, the right term. Give give Gabrick the puck in the right place. He has an amazing shot, um, and and he scores a good amount of goals. But he's not a creator himself, and he leaves an enormous amount to be desired on the defensive side of the ice. And I think the Rangers must have made the calculation that they thought they had enough offensive firepower without Gabby, that and with Nash there and with Broussard and others that they would be able to get the goals they needed. And let's be honest, I mean, they were a couple posts away from having a really long series, at least against the Kings in the Eastern in their finals. They weren't far. I mean, but I, having a guy like Panarin who demands so much attention every time he hits the ice and can can make something out of nothing at all times, it, to Justin's point, it's to me at least you can make the argument that he would have been a big difference maker in the 2014 to 2017 teams. Certainly, and... You know, we'll come to the end here. Appreciate you guys taking this time. But once you get started on these Rangers talks, they just go on and on, which is great. But Justin asked me what we're going to talk about. So I said, we're going to talk about Radic Dvorak. Uh, I just wanted to mention him because uh, right. March, 29th, right. March 29th, 2001, Uniondale, New York, the Islanders home stadium. I was at the game with my father, Radic Dvorak. Scored four goals, leading the Rangers to victory. So I just wanted to mention that, and also I wanted. To, I said we're going to talk Michael York, and you know, Justin, you're 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 doing branding now. You run a company. I feel like the Rangers really dropped the ball on marketing Michael York. I mean, Michael York, New York Rangers. Wasn't there more they could have done there with this guy? So good, they could have. Maybe maybe if he had a little more longevity in his career with the uh, with the Rangers, uh, they would have thought of something something more clever. Uh, but the, the the modern New York Rangers are certainly branding and marketing uh, experts. Love everything they do. Uh, how energized do you get when you when you walk into MSG? When you take those those first few steps um, into the into the garden, uh, the Rangers are uh, the Rangers are just phenomenal at at the marketing piece, and and they the experience at MSG is like no other. All right, and I want to end with this big topic here. And we'll let, we'll let Dan speak to this one first. And that is, in the late 90s, when the greatest player to ever play the game joined the Rangers, Wayne Gretzky, and his buddy Mark Messier heads to Vancouver. What could have been of that team if Messier decided to stay with the Rangers? Um, you know, that Messier leaving the Rangers was probably the hardest thing for me as a young, a young Ranger fan. I mean, traumatizing. It was traumatizing. Um, and then to throw on top of that, the just what you said, the thought of what it could have been uh, for him and Gretzky. Um, yeah, it, it is it is tough to to think about what we missed out on. I mean, listen, the great one was clearly on the last leg when he was a Ranger. It was awesome to have him here. He still had some good years, but certainly wasn't the young man he was when him and Mess won those cups uh, with Edmonton in the eighties. I I think. Nick, they would have had to do some things to build around them, like make some different moves than they had made at that point in time to to make the team a contender. But you would have thought for sure that they should have given it the shot if they had a few years of those two guys together. Yeah. And um, I think I think Gretzky doesn't retire in that after that season. If Messier's still there, I know I watched recently this uh, little thing MSG put together, and Dolan's like, "Hey, I'll do whatever it takes to to keep you here." And remember, this is a time when there wasn't a, a hard salary cap. And Gretzky was like, "No, I'm just, I'm just gonna move on here." Uh, Joe, any thoughts on this? And I want to do one activity here, which is I want you to name a random Ranger here, and Justin and Dan will give their analysis on this Ranger great or non-great. All right, I guess Joe is speechless on that one. So, lost Joe. We'll, 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 we'll undo with this, uh, Justin. 
are you excited for the Rangers moving forward? And do you think in this decade they win a Stanley Cup? Ooh, good question. Great question. This decade being by 2030? By 2029? Yes. Okay. Am I excited? Yeah, I'm very, I'm very, very excited. I hope the I hope the Henrik Lundqvist situation is resolved favorably for everyone. Uh, that's the that's the only piece in in Rangerland right now that is that is getting me down a little bit. Um, I'm very excited. I think they have the I think they have a plan in place. I think they have solid leadership. I think if Quinn ends up not, not being the right guy for the job in the long run, they will find the right guy for the job. Uh, but right now, he's doing a good job. Um, will they win a cup by 2029? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that they have, they now have the elite pieces uh, they need to win a cup. Those pieces are necessary to win a cup. They're not sufficient, though. So we still need um, to keep developing um, prospects and to keep rounding out our roster. But with Zibanejad and Igor. Um, and Panarin at the top, guys like Fox and, and Lindgren, I, I have all the confidence in the world that this team is going to get to uh, where it needs to be. Dan, your thoughts on that? Uh, very excited about the Rangers. I think, again, relatively speaking, only one team wins the Cup every year. And you got a lot of really, really talented executives, coaches, and players in the league who are giving their all to do it. Um, as New York sports fans, I think it's especially hard to keep perspective um, on that because we bring a certain fire and passion uh, to cheering on the blue shirts. But um, to Justin's point, we have all the ingredients you would want this team to have at this stage in the rebuild. But there's still an enormous amount of work to be done. The Lunker situation is painful as a fan to watch personally. It, it just hurts. This is not how you want it to end. Um, you know, so I hope that I hope it turns around and I hope he's Igor's backup. Um, with that being said, and maybe lost in this little conversation is my goodness, Igor is a fantastic goalie. Um, and for a young man, he has been doing some amazing things that gets me excited. I think there's a lot of building blocks there. And with Hank's contract and Stahl's contract and some others coming off the books in the next few years, we are going to have space to really add some additional pieces or supplement in meaningful ways. So I say the New York Rangers, if I had to say yes or no, will will win a cup um, before 2029, and uh, I'll be excited to be back on the podcast if they do so. <laughs> How about this? 50 minutes of Ranger podcast, and we don't even talk about the future of the franchise, Capo Caco once. Pretty, pretty incredible. So let's end it with this. Justin, take it away. Give us the Rangers goal song. The goal song? Yes. Go. 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 Get running this fall at Dunkin' with $2 medium iced coffees from 2 to 6 p.m. Try any of Dunkin's delicious iced coffee, like their signature original blend. Or treat yourself to mocha, caramel, or the fall favorite, pumpkin. Always freshly brewed, made just the way you like it. Make time for happy hour and enjoy a $2 medium iced coffee from 2 to 6 p.m. Washington, D.C. runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.